Hey everybody, it's Jeff, and uh, you know, it seems like every season there is an episode that I have to uh, share a little preamble for, and usually it's for technical difficulty or some kind of, you know, production note, and uh, this year it's for a confession. There is a beautiful um, part of the Catholic Mass uh, called the um, Confetier, I think is how you pronounce it. It's the part where the congregation uh, in unison asks for forgiveness. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it starts with, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do. And then it goes on. And so this introduction to this episode here of Billy Wayman is uh, a confession. Um in what I failed to do. Uh, this episode was recorded a while back, and I failed to share it with you until this season. And the reason that I failed to share it is I didn't, um, I didn't know if it was appropriate. Um, as you've all been super supportive of manna and the celebration that we have here of just uh, lifting up ordinary men, you know, uh, ordinary men of faith, people who are walking around just like the rest of us, not any more divine, not any more pious, just regular guys being our regular broken selves. Um, Billy, uh, I deduced, was maybe just a little more ordinary, you know, maybe a little more broken. And so, um, even though I had the best of intentions uh, early on and recorded this, I, after I listened to it, I thought, you know what, I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's appropriate to share. And thankfully, and this is where, in my confession to all of you, and by the Holy Spirit working and kind of reminding me that uh, it's not my place to judge. And Yes, Billy's uh, stories, Billy's example. For those that know Billy, Billy uh, Billy's life uh, has been marked with a lot of challenges and a lot of um, chapters where maybe he didn't feel God's presence as close as it always is. And so, uh, thankfully, um, I realized through, again, the great patience and power of the Holy Spirit that it's not my place to judge. And, um, you know, it's uh, my job uh, here to not be seeing, or in this case, listening to people um, through my ears, but it's to listen to them through through God's and how God hears them. And, um you know, one thing I think even after you listen to this episode, you might have your own questions as well, but I don't think there's any doubt that uh, that Jesus knows Billy, and I am grateful for your patience and your forgiveness uh, in the delay uh, in getting this episode to you. So, thank you. a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is MANA. 
Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of MANA, the podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That's exactly what makes them extra, and I'm very excited for you to meet them. Now, um, this is a very special uh, episode of MANA. Uh, I mean, they're all special, uh, but for me, this one has a little bit of a bite to it because um, because uh, it's one that comes to you uh, in spite of a sin of mine. Okay, um, as all of you have listened over the last you know eight seasons now, uh, we've been so blessed. I've been so blessed by all of the men who have agreed to share their stories on this show. And today's guest is someone whose story I've known uh, for a long time, and actually there's, there's a lot of stories, <laughs> some of which you'll hear today. Um, but you know, I've never thought about him uh, for Mana because uh, you know, his story, his stories, um, they're different than, than all of our other guests, um, or at least I thought it was, or I thought they were. Uh, see, for the last eight seasons of Mana, I had thought that today's guest's story was maybe a little too far afield, you know, or, uh, or a little or a lot extraordinary in the wrong ways, you know, to share with you. And that is where the sin was. That is the sin. You know, judge not lest ye be judged. Jesus said. I mean, that comes from the Sermon on the Mount. That's the most like famous sermon Jesus ever gave. And while I don't judge, our guest never have uh, judged him as a man and a child of God. For some reason, uh, for the last couple of years here, I had I was judging our guest's story, his path, his challenges, uh, when I should have been looking at the redemption, the light, the grace that has been bestowed upon him. Uh, by our great, great God, uh, who loves all of his children, tends to all of his sheep, and, uh, and, know, and knows our guest and has known our guest in those darkest times when, when he perhaps was not as known. And I know that's a really heavy intro, uh, but that's the truth. And I'm so grateful that our guest's heart is softer than mine and is here with us today. He is a husband, he is a father, he is a son, a salesman, a train collector. A grandfather. A grandfather, a craftsman, a writer, and a personality of the highest degree, uh, and my brother-in-law and friend. Please welcome today's Manna Man, Mr. Billy Wayman. Hey, Billy. Hi. Wow, that was, uh, I feel like I won an Academy Award. (laughs) Well, that's good. So let's start. Let's you know, I want to, you know, we've had, we've had, um, we've had a couple of your brothers uh, on the show. We've had a lot of people who know you, uh, a lot of people who grew up with you. So I kind of want to start growing up, you know, so we know that your family was, was a, was a faith filled family going to church every Sunday, da, 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 da. But how do you feel like, um, how, what role, if you can think back to growing up there in Hanover, oh, I'm, what, I'm ready to go did, right, yeah. yeah. what role did faith play for you? Oh my God, I'm ready to go right to a story that I've told once before. And um, there were seven kids in our house and my dad worked a lot. He was going early in the morning and then he would come home for dinner and I'd wait for him. 
to come home and show them whatever I might have built or made or constructed out of wood or cardboard or whatever. I was always waiting for my dad to come home. So uh, we had a babysitter during the day, uh, Bertha Powers. And her, she was this older gal. She sat in a rocking chair in the family room. As soon as you walk in the house, there's a mud room. And then there's kind of a little area where we would gather and watch TV for the kids, kind of the kids' room. Uh, Jeff, you're familiar with the house. You know where she mm -hmm. sat? And she sat at the rocking chair. And uh, she, in the summertime, she would, she would babysit us. And really all she did was sit in that rocking chair and uh, bark instructions on occasion when, uh, when it was necessary. And she sat with her Bible. And I was riding my bike up and down the hill, and I fell off my bike, and I scarred up my knees and my chin and my elbows. You know how when you go head over tea, head over tea, mm -hmm. you teacup uh, in a in a little banana seed bike, you know, and you land on the car, or not on the concrete, but on the gravel road. What happens yeah. to your elbows and your knees and such? And I was all skinned up from top to bottom, and I came in crying and crying and crying, and I, I ran to Bertha, and I said, help me, help me. And I said, what did I do? And I was just crying, and I was probably, I don't know, six years old, five years old, I forget. But, uh, and I said, well, why did this happen? And she said, it's probably because of something you did or said to upset the Lord. Mm. Now that stuck with me for a long time long, long time. Yeah. I remember her saying that. And now you got to remember, this is the 70s, mm -hmm. 60s, late 60s, early 70s. And she was late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. All right. So she was brought up. <laughs> Different time. Yeah. She was brought up in a whole, whole, whole what, did, what did you think she was going to think? Right, right. <laughs> you know, uh, the way she was brought up. Uh, that it that was it was kind of uh, pro quo uh, quid pro quo. Yeah. I mean, you do something right, you get a reward. You do something wrong, you're punished. Yeah. It's this is like a balance sheet yeah. that that seems to go back and forth. And I always felt like I was behind the balance sheet. I always felt like I did more things wrong than I did right, and mm. I'm never going to be able to get caught up yeah. to where I'm even. Yeah. But it, that stuck with me, and yeah. I felt, and I felt at a young age that it was a punishing God, and that He was watching me do things, maybe some behaviors that I shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. Maybe I, uh, I don't, I can't give you an example. I stole some carrots out of my neighbor's yard, or you yeah. know, some, vandalized. Uh, Something well, yeah. over in my neck, you know, whatever. This, and some of it's just some of it's just normal just kid, kid stuff. stuff, right? Yeah. Some of yeah. it's normal kid stuff. How much do you feel like? How long did it take for you to to understand that? Okay, that that is that actually isn't mm. our God. Okay, our God mm. does, isn't up there with some balance sheet. A long a time, ledger. and like a long time. I felt like I could never get caught up. I mm -hmm. felt like okay, you've got your pros and your cons. You got your good and your bad. Uh, I did too many bad things to catch up with all the good things to, to level the, <laughs> the the level the sheet, you know. And I uh, never felt like I was going to ever get caught up. Mm -hmm. And so I was under the impression that it was a. And so I would get frustrated, and uh, think, well, I'm so far behind on the ledger sheet here that I'm never going to get caught up. So what's the sense of even trying? Mm -hmm. And I think there was some discouragement in that. Yeah. 
And no one, I never told that story to anybody until years and years and years later. And no one was able to give me really much clarification mm-hmm. as to, oh, that's not true at all, Billy. Yeah. That's not true at all. God forgives you for everything. And I, I'm sure my mother has said that to me over the years. Mm-hmm. And maybe eventually it did seep in mm-hmm. that, okay, you can get a fresh start. You go to confession. And you can get a fresh start, brand new slate. Yeah. It levels yeah. that 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 this that ledger that you're so concerned about. Mm-hmm. Now it's now you're, you, so you get a fresh clean slate and you can start over. Yeah. And then I over time I gradually started to believe that hey maybe that was true. Mm-hmm. And uh, were there any people? So talk about Mrs. Powers. W- were there any people, especially men, uh, as you were growing up, that you did feel like? played a more positive almost trying to help counterbalance that a little bit who who are some of the men that that were and maybe they weren't being overt about faith about hey you know you're forgiven but who are some of the guys in your life that you felt were helping maintain a more positive constructive approach um my mom and dad would take me to uh, I, I there's a guy by the name of Dr. Zarling I'm sure he's long past he was in Golden Valley child psychologist um, they knew I had behavioral problems I couldn't sit still for uh, five minutes. Uh, Einstein had learning disability. He sat in the back of the room and he would act out and he would uh, become frustrated um, with the material or whatever was being discussed in the classroom. And uh, he had nowhere to go with a lot of that stuff. And uh, doctor and my parents knew I had some of these. Uh, I was hyperactive. I had, I had some other behavioral issues. And so they began taking me to a child psychologist and I would lay between their laps in the middle seat of the old station wagon, and I'd lay on my back between the two of them, and they would rub my head, and they would rub my feet, and do everything they could to comfort me as they, as they were taking me to to see uh, Dr. Zarling, and then home. They felt like it was a traumatic thing for me mm-hmm. um, to have to go and see this psychologist, but secretly, <laughs> here's the kicker, secretly, I liked going to see him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did give me some, uh, I felt like he was somebody that could actually hear me crying. Yeah, yeah. And um, that mattered to me. For sure, for sure. What, did you ever, with him or others, try to broach back into the faith kind of realm and, 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 and sort of understand that? Okay, maybe the the early messaging around this punitive God was not accurate, or or do you feel like <clears throat> God? Because God's always working, okay, always, and whether it's through the psychiatrist or, or others. Do you have any recollections of of there being more pointed conversations about faith, or do you feel like it was just more around the essence? Well, of these I had kinds Sunday school, and I grew up. Um, you know. I, when I was a young boy, I went to uh, three different schools, four, four, five, six different schools, if you want to add them up down the road. But uh, Kimball was one of the first schools I went to. It was a public and parochial school, mm. which meant you had to uh, go to church every morning. Sure. And I hated it. <laughs> I hated every minute of it. I said, oh, my God. Okay, so it's sit, stand, kneel. Yeah. Sit, stand, kneel. <laughs> sit, stand, kneel. Stand again, kneel again. Yeah, yeah. And now we can go get <laughs> our milk. Moving, yeah, yeah, we can get our milk and donuts. Yeah. And uh, and I just was just I couldn't sit through it. Yeah, yeah. 
And so it was, I grew up hating the Catholic Church. I grew up hating everything about it. Yeah. Uh, the nuns were our teachers. My first and second grade teacher, were they were nuns, and they were mean, and we were scared of them. And they carried rulers, and they used those rulers. And uh, I was terrified of these nuns. I mean, these were mean old <laughs> ladies, man. And I was scared to death of these yeah. nuns. And I was usually in trouble. Yeah. And so, oh, man. And so, yeah, that was a struggle. It was yeah. a fight. You know, I was, I was, I was at... Uh, yeah, I was at odds with a lot of it for quite a while. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times people um, sort of regenerate faith traditions and faith perspectives with major life moments, you know, whether it's getting married, having a kid, you know, um, just big things like that. Do you feel like, like, for example, when you became a dad, you know, was that a, was that a, was that a time where the door maybe was opened a little bit where you started thinking more about, you know, God or when do you feel like well, that kicked in for I you? I can tell you this from first-hand experience. There's very little experiences in life that will top being in the delivery room when your first child is born and carrying your first child at six pounds or eight pounds, 11 ounces, I'm sorry, uh, down to the nursery and when she's literally minutes old mm-hmm. and to uh, hand her back to the nurse as you're carrying her down to the nursery and they put her in the little, the little infant, uh, what, what do you call those things? Am I, I'm having a, well, they put them in the little basket. Yeah. They so, keep them warm yeah. and such. And just to experience that and say, oh my God, that's my flesh and blood. I created that. Yeah. I guess they, what they say from your loins. I mean, that's, that's a part of me. Yeah. This person would not exist yeah. on this earth if it wasn't for me. Yeah. And that, that, that in and of itself is a little bit amazing. This person would not exist in this world. I've brought someone into this world yeah. that would not, otherwise not exist had it not been with, for the union of uh, my young wife and I. And I was 18 years old when it happened. Yeah. So uh, I, was, I was a teenage daddy. And... Uh, my daughter now, I'm, I'm 59, my daughter's uh, th- 40. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and now I've got grandkids mm-hmm. and watching all that, I go, okay, now these grandkids wouldn't exist <laughs> yeah. if it wasn't for me. None yeah. of these, they wouldn't be together if it wasn't for me. And yeah. that, now I've got this son-in-law, this daughter, and these two grandkids, and they're sending me pictures from California all the time, and, I, and, and they're, they're podcasts, and they're doing... They're doing Marco Polos, and they're sending me all this stuff, and I go out and I visit, and I go, this whole nucleus, this family that's living in California would never have existed if it wasn't for me. And uh, that's just a little bit amazing, if you want to really get deep into it. So is that, do I find spirituality in that? Oh, my God, yes, of course I do. Yeah. Of course I do. When When you think back to, you know, and I've alluded to some of it, and we don't have to get into specifics. But you know, you like you, you were joking. You had a you had a childhood where there, you had you gave uh, whether it was the nuns or or others, you gave them plenty of opportunity to to sort of step in to correct. And you know, and then in all seriousness, I mean, you've you know, you've shared in the past you, you struggles with whether it was addiction or or just you know behavioral kinds of things. It, do you ever feel like if you would have had the perspective that you have today 
which is a which is a one of wisdom, which is one of grace, which is acknowledging, like you just said, there is this spiritual force that makes your fatherhood, makes your grandfatherhood possible. How different would that journey have been for you if you feel if you would have had that same? not to say that you wouldn't have still had those events in your life. Okay. You still would have maybe gotten into the trouble and whatever, but do you ever think about how different it would have been if you would have had the, the faith muscle you have today back then? Knowing what I know now, would I have done things different? Oh, I, I believe almost everybody would say yes to that question. Sure. You know, you hear these people, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, guys like Frank Sinatra, uh, somebody like that, somebody famous. They say, oh, I have no regrets. Mm-hmm. I did it my way. I just don't believe that. I just believe that we all are going to have regrets. Things that, that's how we learn and that's how we grow is by making mistakes. And so, geez, I would have never done that if I'd have known that this was going to happen as a result of doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes I would do things, various behaviors, like that's not me. That I wouldn't, that's deep down in my heart of hearts. Mm-hmm. I would not have done that. I not, would have not have said that. And why would I have done that? And why would I have said that? Mm-hmm. And and there's and with very little explanation, you would do some things that like why did I do that? Or mm-hmm. I'm lashing out, or I'm I'm wondering how that's going to affect me or make me feel if I do do that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about uh, playing with these uh, dangerous emotions. Mm-hmm. And when I say dangerous things, that, that can hurt you, self-inflicted things that you can do or say that hurts you. And then uh, maybe you have an altercation with somebody at a grocery store or somewhere and you go, well, nah, okay, now I got all worked up because this guy cut me off in line or whatever and now I'm going to get, and now I'm all, now I got my blood pressure up and I said something mean or cruel Mm -hmm. to the guy, you know, something completely inappropriate to the guy and I walk out of there and for the next two hours I feel awful for having said that. Why did you say that to that person? Maybe they're having an even worse day than you are. And so you become more aware of that as you get older. Oh, don't just bite your tongue. Count to 10. Don't, you know. Well, and I think you're you're describing, which is so true for all of us, regardless of. Let me give you one example. Just one example. I'm I'm in a hobby store where I buy a lot of my Lionel train stuff. And there's this guy, he's from England or Britain or wherever he's from. And he's a real self-righteous guy. He claims to be the self-proclaimed guy that knows everything about Lionel trains and all this. And I was trying to explain to him this power plug that I uh, was trying to assemble. And I wasn't quite getting... (laughs) I wasn't quite getting what he was trying to explain to me. And he eventually said, well, I wouldn't expect you to understand. And I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You just said that to a customer? I'm a customer. I'm not only a customer, I'm what they call a whale. I come in here and I spend thousands of dollars. And you just said that to me? I said, wait a minute. I said, I got a master's degree. I've been published five times. And I've written a couple books. You work in a (laughs) toy store. So you want to keep score? And I said that to him, and I apologize for the language, but verbatim, that's what I said to him. Now, I felt off, and first of all, I don't have a master's degree. I feel like I do, but I don't. And I walked out of there, and I felt awful about that for days, and I had to call him back up. Oh, good for you. That's great. It bothered me so much. 
I had to call him back up and apologize for saying that to him. And so um, why would I want to carry around that extra baggage, that luggage, those things that make yeah. us feel bad about ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. I, does that, does yeah. that answer some Oh, of for it? sure. And I mean, that's actually, that, that story is, it's right in the Lord's Prayer. You know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. And you work in so a he, bleeping yeah, toy but, store. But what and you I recognize, go, man, that cut him yeah, deeper. Yeah. That had yeah. to cut him deeper than yeah. what he said to me. Yeah. But what I love about that story, Billy, is, is you did. You recognized and the Holy Spirit worked in you, your conscience, to say, you know what, I gotta, I'm going to forgive this guy for what he said to me. And, uh, and that's how, because you're right, the, the burden, you have, to, you have to let that burden go, you know, because you're carrying that around for however many days after. I think that's a great, uh, I think that's a great. Uh, well, at this point in my story. life, I don't want any bad karma. If uh, a cashier gives me the wrong change, which is, happens to me a lot because <laughs> I spend half my day at the checkout counter at cashiers and I, I give them a 20 and they give me back $18 and it was a $8 bill. They gave me back $10 too much. Uh-huh. And I know it instantly. 20 years ago, I wouldn't have said a word. Maybe even 10 years ago, I wouldn't have said a word. I would have just taken the $10. Now... Oh, no. If I knowingly, mm-hmm. they gave me back too much change, I'm going to give it right back to them right there in the spot because I don't want the tiniest, littlest thing. Mm-hmm. Something like that. That's yeah. stealing. Yeah. yeah. That That's, is stealing. absolutely right. Yeah. If, I mean, no matter to what degree. Now, it says God said one of the commandments, thou shalt not steal. Yeah. Does that, say, is that, does that mean steal little, steal big? Mm-hmm. No, that's stealing. Yeah. If I knowingly took the $10 that I knew was not mine, mm-hmm. I, won't, I won't allow myself to walk out of that store without saying, wait a minute, this is your $10. Yeah. You gave me yeah. $10 too much, and I do that yeah. all day long. And you know, Billy, that's so great. When you think of you know growing up in the in the examples that you're giving about having this you know succumbing to maybe some temptations or trying things out. I mean, that's basically a a, a battle that you waged for years with you know the devil. I mean, that's the evil one. That's the evil one getting in your head, saying you're not good enough, saying you know all that temptation. And what is so great is to the story that you just told. Okay. You know, that's, and how many listeners, myself, how many of us have been in that exact same situation and we're like, ah, whatever, we'll just let it go. But that's the evil one as well. And so the fact that you are now so toned up, okay, you're, you're in such great shape spiritually that you're recognizing that as just as much of a violation, you know, if you will. We're going back. On it. I think it's great. We're, we're going back to Bertha Powers and we're going back to the ledger. And what do I have to do to get that ledger, that balanced ledger, clean slate, <laughs> yeah. confession? Yeah. All right. So I got this clean slate going. Yeah. And I try to keep it going all day. Oh, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. I try to keep that ledger going all day. Yeah. I'm trying to get into heaven right now. <laughs> and guess why? Because I believe there is a heaven. Because it matters to me. Amen. And that alone is faith. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, that's a great uh, a segue to our, our fun segment. And the oh, same boy. three questions, same three questions that we ask every guest. I only and, thought uh, of one response to one of the questions. <laughs> and I, well, I have to uh, wing the other two. Well, well, let's get into it. So fun segment question number one. If Jesus knocked on your door uh, uh-huh. tomorrow morning, 
and uh, just wanted to hang out for the day. Uh huh. What are you going to do with Jesus? Where would we go? Yeah. The planetarium. Oh. We would go to the planetarium and I say, explain all this to me. <laughs> yeah. I would. Yeah. I'd go to the planetarium yeah. and I said, let's get some popcorn and some. <laughs> And some Diet Cokes, and I want to lay back in that chair at the planetarium, and I want you to explain all of this to me. I'd want to know about that stuff, too. I love love that answer, and I I do think you just sit there, like you say, with your popcorn and the Diet Cokes. I'd sit there with my bourbon and (laughs) explain it all to me, and if I could go somewhere with God, Jesus, and and do something for a day, there you go, and I'd go to to the planetarium. I love it. All right, fun submarine question number two. If you could go to church with any other guy, okay, living or dead, famous or not, uh, you, you you don't have to have known this man, uh, or maybe you do, maybe you did. Uh, so it's one answer. guy and uh, you're going to church. Who are you taking to this church? This is an easy answer, and I think you know what it is. It'd be my father. And uh, my dad had this remarkable ability to sleep standing up. <laughs> I've seen him do it at church. I know you have too. I know you've been to church yeah, with Betsy, yeah. my little sister, and you've seen him do it. Yeah. He can stand straight up like a board and sleep. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But he would take us to church, yeah. and it mattered to him. But I would, I would go to church with my father, and I, at, at this point in my life, not when he was alive, but at this point in my life, I'd say, I, I hope you can forgive me because I forgive you. Yeah. And I get it now. Yep. I and, get it. And he does. He does for sure. And so it would be Halstead Wayman. It would be my father. And there's, I, wouldn't, I didn't even have to think very long about that answer. So. That's great. All right. Uh, last question. Fun segment. Question number three. If you could give just one piece of advice to a younger man, so a boy growing up um, about living uh, a positive, confident, humble life of faith, what would that one piece of advice be? You won't realize now, but you will realize as you get older, everything you do and say to everybody you come in contact with in your life is going to matter one day. Yeah. So you have to consider that. With your young man and you're talking to an adult and you want to say something obnoxious or stupid or arrogant to an adult that's trying to mentor you in some way, and you're not listening, you're not paying attention, that only hurts you. Mm-hmm. And so everything that you do and say is going to matter to you one day. Yeah, that's great. That's and so great. you need to consider that every time you, you're going to say or do something that you're not sure about. Mm-hmm. You need to consider that, and I'd keep it just that simple. Yeah, I think that's great. I think keep that conscience high. So, yep. well, Billy, thank you again uh, for being here. It's been, it's been a, a, a real honor to have you on this show and sharing your story with so many others. And uh, Wow. We love you. You know, I feel like Jackie Gleason. You know, Jackie Gleason, he was the biggest star on television back in the 60s during the Honeymooners, and they wanted, they were begging him to... Uh, <laughs> To renew his contract to do more honeymooners. And he said, well, yeah, well, Jackie liked the bourbon too. And, you know, of course, I like the bourbon. And uh, he would, uh, he said, all right, I'll do it, but I'm going to do it in Florida because I got to, you know, I want to <laughs> golf. And I said, I'm going down to Florida. If you want to negotiate my contract, we'll, we'll have to set the studio up down in Florida. 
and I'll do the last two or three seasons, and he was hung over. Had this massive hangover. And he was meeting with the higher ups with the network and they were negotiating his contract and he said he signed the he acted so disinterested because he was so hungover that he signed the largest contract in television history at that time. I am right now hungover. And I believe I may have done the best podcast <laughs> I've done maybe ever. So oh, there's no. that. There is that. All right. <laughs> Thanks again, Billy. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.